live in the moment. Embrace the drop because it only lasts two seconds. And now for Face Your Fears. Did you know that there are two innate fears to humans? Loud noises and bright lights. You probably didn't know that because those aren't actually the two innate fears. It's what I thought they were until I Googled it. And then I saw that it was actually loud noises and falling. I didn't quite remember it that way. I knew that today I still had one remaining fear and it was falling. But I couldn't quite figure out where it came from. Odds are, I've always had it, and I just never got rid of it. Either way, today, let me tell you about my first time going to Six Flags this past month. And you may be asking yourself, George, how are you afraid of falling and yet at Six Flags? To be quite honest, as I was getting on my first ride, I was wondering the same thing. You know, I never planned to go. I was invited by a couple of people, and the only reason why I even ended up there was because I changed my excuse for why I couldn't go. Originally, it was, I'm not really a rides person, and I just stuck to that heavily. But then it changed to, you know, I may be meeting somebody at that time, so I can't go. And they said, well, if you're meeting them, of course don't come, but if they don't show up, come through. And I told myself that night, if by 11.30 this person has not texted me back, I'm going to get my ticket. And one thing turned to another, 11.30 came, I didn't have a text back, so I got my ticket. And now I'm standing in line for the scorcher, wondering again, how did I end up here? <laughs> just one ride, just one ride is what I told myself. I began to Google various things to prepare myself, went on the Six Flags website to see the official stats for the Scorcher. A maximum thrill level was the last thing that I wanted to see. I looked at a YouTube video of an individual in VR showcasing the ride, and that drop looked mighty steep. And then I watched one final video, and it was about how to prepare for your first roller coaster ride. And one of the things that was stated was to embrace the drop. And you embrace the drop because the drop only lasts one or two seconds in the whole ride, and then it's gone. That falling sensation that I feared so greatly for others was a great joy, and it only lasted two seconds, then it was gone. And so I was telling myself as I stood in that line, fear is an illusion, fear is an illusion, fear is an illusion. It felt very real though. And I got on that ride and immediately it was weird. The scorcher, if you've ever been on it, you know you stand up, you don't sit down. Thought that was odd. As I had gotten on, perhaps because of my nerves, I forgot to take off my glasses. And as I stood there, I was in a little squat, my car keys fell out and I was already strapped in. I couldn't get off. I couldn't hand anybody my stuff. The workers aren't allowed to touch your objects. So now I was standing there with my glasses and keys in my sweaty, shaking hands. And then the ride began to go. And at first, it's always slow. 
the buildup, the thrill, the climb. And I have to tell myself, you know, embrace the drop. It's only two seconds. I saw on the website that the G-Force was listed. I was reminded of those Air Force videos where they're taking heavy G-Force and it's almost as though they age decades for some seconds. And the drop finally came and I clenched my stomach, clenched my glasses and my keys, and I shouted. By the end of that ride, my throat was hoarse, but I made it. <laughs> the first thing that I want to tell y'all tonight is to live in the moment, to embrace the drop, because it only lasts two seconds. This moment is gone in the next one, and though it may seem scary, that same fear is so exhilarating. And just to show, I, at first when I finished that ride, I thought I'm gonna take a picture on every ride that I ride. AV, could you put up picture one, the roller coaster picture? And this was actually one of the only ones that I actually ended up taking a picture on. I'll continue talking while AV figures that out. It was interesting, but it's also paralleled in scripture to live in the moment. And I'll be talking in Ecclesiastes. Earlier that week, I had sat with a group of individuals who were having a Bible study. And it had paused temporarily. And the leader of the Bible study has simply asked me, George, what have you been reading this past week? What have you been getting into into the Word? And I simply said, I haven't. Yeah, I got to get back into it. And interestingly enough, he said that what he had read the previous day on a bike ride was the entirety of Ecclesiastes. He just listened to it, and then he listened to it again, and that was enough. And I went home that day, and I was in a Bible plan, reading the whole Bible, chronological. I was behind. And can you guess where I was? Ecclesiastes. I listened to the totality of Ecclesiastes, and as I went through this Six Flags journey, there were three particular messages that I saw paralleled throughout Ecclesiastes. This first one begins in Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 13. I'll be reading in the ESV translation. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Enjoy life, man. It's brief, and we are limited. Do you know everything? No. You know who does know everything? God. And you see, because we do not know it all, we are to trust him in patience and humility. We are to have faith that God will fill in that gap. We still have duty, and that duty is in the day-to-day -day living to fulfill your day-to-day -day and moderately enjoy ordinary enjoyments, food and drink. You know, the Bible doesn't say that life has to be completely bland. It doesn't say that life has to be boring without pleasure, but everything in moderation. D. Thomas. 
AV, were you able to pull up image one? I'm going to continue on. There we go. As you can see, this is actually the image that I took right after the roller coaster ride ended. I have my glasses on because, you know, they were in my hand and now I could finally see freely. The people beside me appeared a lot more happy. The individual right next to me, that was actually the first roller coaster he had ever ridden. He enjoyed it. And the individual on the other side was the one who ultimately had gotten me on the roller coaster. And there I was, just happy for it to be over. <laughs> this leads into the next point of just one good partner. You see, biblically, we see this idea that it's not good for man to be alone, but that doesn't always mean marriage. It could just mean a friend. An individual who can encourage you, an individual who pushes you along. Throughout this month, there were a myriad of things that I had to face that were very fear-related. And as I mentioned, there's one remaining fear of mine that's falling. This month, I had gone on a roller coaster. I had went to a Braves game where I was seated so ridiculously high, and the people I went with wanted to sit in the most front row for some reason. And not only that, I rock climbed. And every time I went higher, I did not want to look down because I knew that was a drop. And sure, I was in a harness, but whenever I reached as high as I was willing to go, I didn't jump off, I climbed back down. And in all three of those instances, it was because there was a person, a person who encouraged, a person who pushed me to face a fear. And in the end, it really wasn't that bad. The drop was scary to think about, not going to lie. It was scary to experience, but still a delight in the end. One good friend, one partner, a person whom you can trust in. And I want to read Ecclesiastes again, this time in chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls and has not another to lift him up, again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Mm. You need somebody. At the very least, if you want to live happily, you want to live wholly, you need somebody. And again, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship, but a friend, a brother, a parental connection. You need somebody. Hmm. And there's a little brief poem. If a person walks alone through life's path, accidents and discomforts may bring them wrath. In the absence of a friend to lend a hand, they may stumble and fall, no aid close at hand. In the night's chill, they shiver with no embrace, lacking a companion's warmth and grace. And if they encounter robbers on their way, their strength alone may not keep danger at bay. Mm. 
These examples show the truth we must comprehend, the power of unity on which we can depend. In togetherness, there's help, comfort, and might, a truth found in all aspects of life's grand sight. Jay Wilcox. Beyond that, you know, taking it away from the poetry or anything of that nature, y'all ever notice that life gets a little boring when you're alone? I don't mean for a moment. You know, everybody needs their me time. But I'm talking about extended solitude can literally drive you mad. That's why solitary confinement is a punishment in prison. Again, we're not meant to be alone. But at the same time, it's better to be by yourself than be in bad company. Because just like being alone can drive you crazy, being with somebody who's not right for you can drive you crazy. Mm. And not only that, being alone literally takes away from your life. According to the National Institute on Aging, the health risks of prolonged isolation are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Social isolation and loneliness have been estimated to shorten a person's lifespan by as many as 15 years. Hmm. I mean, we saw it in this recent lockdown where it was driving people to destruction. And in part, there was a pandemic. But on another part, there was isolation for years. And it's common to think, I'll just thug it out. And AV, I sent you a video. Could you play that really quickly? This time, I'm not going to continue speaking as this is very for this time in the sermon. The one video that I sent. As a matter of fact, since you can see the video up there, I could actually play the sound from my phone. Now, the sound is a little bit desynchronized, but you get the gist, right? It's this idea that there is this global problem, and yet the global answer is deal with it. But we see that just dealing with it is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day, takes away 15 years of life. And if you've lived in loneliness for a long span of time, not only does this mean you live shorter, but you know it means it's a less enjoyable life. Mm. Seek small groups. Look for niche communities to connect to. I mean, shoot, even join a martial arts gym. And I might be a little bit biased here, but I think that there are few things more bond building than tossing around a peer and then going to grab lunch after. <laughs> and continuing on, the third message, it's all about timing. You do it and you continue to do it. And remember that every shot that you don't take is a shot that is missed. With one of my peers, we were walking through. And at this point, neither of us really wanted to ride any roller coasters, didn't really want to get on any more rides. We were just walking. And there was one individual that from the last ride I had gotten on, I had observed and you know, made a verbal observation upon. And he had pointed out later on that we had passed her about three or four times. And every time we exchanged glances. And he said, you know, George, she's the one. You could have married her. <laughs> and when he said that, I thought, you know, well, y'all know, as, as seasoned listeners, I get pretty excited at the topic of marriage. 
The thing was, it was a bit of a weird situation, a difficult one rather, because it's not as though I didn't notice her. It's not as though I didn't want to talk to her. Thing was, she was moving in a group of four people. I'll be completely frank. They looked like they were from Brooklyn, you know, the real mean kind. And since it was three extras, that's basically a Cerberus. If you don't know what a Cerberus is, that's the three-headed guard dog from hell. And I'll be entirely honest, I didn't want to get bitten. But when it came to the end of the night, I thought he may have been right, and even if it would have been risking a bite, I wished that I had spoken to her. You miss every shot that you don't take. And though you may miss, at least you won't regret having not taken it. There's a saying that the master has failed more times than the novice has even tried. And going back to Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. You've probably heard this before. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to so, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There's a time for everything. A time for everything. But then it becomes a question of do you do it when it's time? Sometimes we do things ahead of time, it fails. And we stop, so when the time comes around, we're no longer trying. We never experience success. You look at business. Most individuals who succeed as entrepreneurs did not succeed at first. Do y'all know somebody who had big ambitions? They had the next big thing. They tried it, it failed, and now they're working a nine to five. The ambitions seem a lot smaller. They used to aim for the stars, and now they don't aim for the top of the doorway. It wasn't time yet, but they stopped trying, and so their time never actually came. You see, in life, we go through waves. It's like a roller coaster, to be entirely honest. It has its ups, and it has its downs. It has the loops, and it has its straights. But you got to embrace every moment. And in the times that you fail, and the times that you have to mourn, it's a lot better when there's somebody to comfort you. That's why you have to have that, that one good partner. And you may be asking yourself, George, you've said all of this. What's the takeaway? Are, are those three points the takeaway? There's a call to action, too. There are principles, but I want to apply them to one thing, and that is to evangelize. In the same week that I went to Six Flags, on that Tuesday, I heard an interesting message, and he gave a wonderful way of evangelism. My time, I only have three minutes left, so I'm going to explain it after I show it, just in case I run out of time. And for this method of evangelism, you just want to get three objects. It doesn't matter what three objects they are. The one time that I've used it so far, I wasn't planning to evangelize, so I just went with what I had. I always travel with a water jug. I'll place it here. 
Of course, you know, I'm a 21st century American. I always have a phone on me. And since I am now a driver, I have car keys on me. And the way that you would do this is imagine this. One of your objects is God, and the other object is you, the target of who you're trying to evangelize. Now, you notice one thing very clearly about these two objects. There's a lot of space between them. That gap is sin. And the interesting thing about sin is that it only takes one of them. It would not matter if the person was only an inch away from God. There's still a gap. And it wouldn't matter if the person, I might as well move, the person was all the way across the room. Maybe they're outside of the building. Why? Because as long as there is a gap, the destination remains the same. So where does the third object come into play? Now, imagine this key is Jesus. What does Jesus do? Jesus serves as a bridge. The final connector between you, no matter how far away, nor how close you may be to God. Jesus is the key to salvation. A little wordplay, but you don't necessarily have to do that one. It connects them and allows for them to connect to God. And again, no matter how far away they were before or how close they were, the place remains the same whenever they are connected with Jesus. It's that simple. I've heard a lot of real complex evangelism methods, tried them myself, and then when they fail, it's it's like the investment was so great, you kind of hurt so much energy. You need a lozenger after all the talking, and they said, no. This is low investment and simple, and it engages all of their senses. Okay, maybe not taste and touch. If you do a lot of high fives, it would engage their senses. Recently, I was engaged in a conversation with a group. And every time that I said something even like minorly remarkable, they would all give me fist bumps. Oh, I'm about to go cook. What you going to cook? I'm going to go cook some mac and cheese. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm a junior, but I'm 18. Okay, okay, okay. You look like you're about 23. How old are you? I'm 18. Okay, okay, okay. And that engagement was actually surprisingly effective. It held my attention in the conversation a lot more than if they were just like, yeah, that's, that's cool. So maybe a high five every now and then. And I mean, maybe if you carried around mints, you could also engage their taste. But mints being given in a first conversation can be received various different ways. Either way, I'm out of time. <laughs> I am out of time. And there is a poem that I would like to end with. Though it will push me over time, I'm going to still do it anyway. Why not? But develop evangelistic curiosities. It doesn't take much to get them into this situation. Something as simple as, I like your tattoo. Could you tell me the story? And then somehow you end up asking a question. Do you go to church? Nah, I don't go to church. I hear that. You know, church is important, but what's more important is how you get to heaven. If you have three minutes of time, I could explain to you really quickly what the Bible says about getting to heaven. And A.V., if you could put up the second image, the quick fire, yes, ooh, that's kind of zoomed out. But it showcases some quick question and answers as well as verses tied to them. Develop evangelistic curiosity. Show them what you are instead of just telling them you are not an accident. We are far from God. God approached us in Jesus. You must accept Jesus by faith. And the key question is what would keep you from giving your life to Jesus right now? 
And you pray a prayer where they admit, I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus is my Savior, and I confess my sins unto him. ABC. Man, I'm going really over time now. But let's just close with this poem. (laughs) And it's partially written by AI, just to throw that out there. A time to be born, we enter this world. In innocence wrapped, our journey unfurled. A time of innocence like spring's fresh bloom, when life is new, untouched by worldly gloom. A time of youth like the vibrant summer sun, embracing joys and eager for adventures to be spun. A time to sow like a farmer's steady hand, planting dreams like seeds across the land, nurturing them with diligence and care, just as nature tends to life everywhere. A time to laugh, joy lights up our days like radiant sunbeams dancing in playful ways. In laughter, we find solace and relief, a despite from the burdens, a momentary reprieve. A time to embrace, to hold, and to love, to find connection like two doves above. In the warmth of embraces, we glimpse the divine, love's healing power, a sacred lifeline. A time of maturity, like autumn's gentle breeze, wisdom gained through trials and life's unease. A time to gain possessions we seek, like treasures we amass, making us feel so complete. But a material wealth, true worth may elude, for what truly matters resides in gratitude. A time to lose, grasping hands now released, learning detachment, letting go, finding peace. Friends surrendering, We find the power to mend, to heal our wounded hearts and our souls transcend. A time to mourn when darkness resides, like a howling wind through night's eerie tides. But in grief, threads of hope appear as stars in the night, distant and clear. A time of reflection as winter's stillness takes hold, silent contemplation, memories to behold. A time to tear down walls within our minds to break free from cages that keep us confined. Like winter's biting frost, shattering beliefs, making room for growth and soulful relief. A time to build foundations strong and true, creating bridges between me and you. In unity and purpose, a sanctuary we create, a shelter in life's storms where souls congregate. A time to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to dance. Though the world may appear stark and bare, within lies potential awaiting its repair. Embrace the ever-changing, the beautiful and true. In each season's dance, we glimpse our own soul, transforming like nature as we play our role. Through trials and triumphs, we'll face the tide. And in the seasons of life, let our spirits abide. I'm already over time, so I might as well go a little longer. (laughs) Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you. Just thank you for bringing us this far. And though some seasons have been sunny and some have been biting cold, just thank you. I thank you that we're able to appreciate the good days because of how many bad ones we have lived through. And I pray, Lord God, that we shall be able to find contentment even in the lows. I pray that fear shall be nothing more than an illusion that we can carry out your will without worry. That there may be courage. That even if Goliath were to stand in front of us and you told us to hurl a stone, that we would trust you 
because you know. That we would trust you because you are a good God, an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, an all-present God, that even when there is darkness, your light is still there. And I just pray, Lord God, that your goodness we shall share. For your glory everlasting, in the name of Jesus, and by the spirit of truth we pray, amen. Have a blessed week. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Face Your Fears, by George Bronner. This message is number 4126, that's 4126, to listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 4126 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's I wanttogive.com Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because brother you need the word from brothers of-